Welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Hey friends, last Sunday I ran into an old colleague from my Starbucks days. My former district manager, we ran into her at the night market at Assiniboine Downs. Actually, two of my district store managers. And we spent a few minutes, you know, catching up, shocked at how much time had passed since we had seen each other last. When we met, our youngest Maddie hadn't been born yet, and she turned 16 this last weekend. So, you know, seeing my kids who are, you know, now one married and um, and one that's quite tall from when the last time they saw them, it, it got me thinking about that season of my life that seems like a lifetime ago. Back when I was a church planter, just starting out, I worked at Starbucks to help pay the bills. And it wasn't very long in my time with the company before they asked if I might consider running my own store. And I wasn't sure if I could make the jump, um, you know, from barista to store manager. But it was my DM, one, the lady that I ran into this weekend, who told me, you're great with people, with customers and coworkers. That much is obvious. We can teach you the rest. And so I didn't make that jump, you know, just one day to the next. It didn't happen overnight. I had a whole lot to learn. But I was surrounded by a great team of people that helped me get the skills that I needed. I ended up moving stores and becoming an assistant store manager, not to be confused with assistant to the store manager. Um, But it was a role that I got to like shadow an actual store manager, work alongside someone as we opened up a brand new store. So I got to see all of the ins and outs of getting a new store off the ground with new staff, a new space, new customers, building uh, a business from the ground up. And it was an amazing time. It was an amazing time of learning, of trying to figure out how I fit into this whole story. And so I got to try my hand at, you know, doing things like building schedules and ordering inventory and attending district meetings and managing staff. And, And I got to learn a lot of those skills. So I already had something in me that you know, allowed me to be really, you know, great at having conversations with customers and stuff like that. But I needed these skills and I had to follow, I had to shadow, I had to apprentice someone else, I guess, an apprentice of sorts. Of sorts. So I got to know what it felt like to run a store with a bit of a safety net. And it was in that season that I, I was prepared to open up my own store, which I ended up managing for a few years. Some of you actually were customers of mine or um, worked with me in that store. Um, where, yeah, I did that for a few years before someone threw a Molotov cocktail through the window one night and torched the place. That's another story for another time. But you might be wondering, why am I starting a sermon with this story? It's because I want you to be thinking about a time in your life, maybe, when you were shadowing somebody, when you were apprenticing someone, where you were watching someone else um, work and learning to do what they did. This idea of being an apprentice. We're wrapping up our series, Grace Lives for the Summer. And and one of the reasons why we're getting into this rhythm is we want to become more like Jesus. We want to be in this um, feeling of being an apprentice of his. And I like that language, the language of an apprentice. 
For the last number of weeks, we've been turning, tuning our hearts into the rhythm of life that helps us slow down and focus on what's going on in us as well as what's going on around us. We've set aside time to listen to God, to, to pray and reflect on what the Spirit might be saying to us. We've looked around us and found ways to invest in others, whether it's sending a text or telling someone face-to-face -face how much we care about them. We've found ways to bless or, or eulogize those around us. We've dug into the scriptures and found uh, some time to be reading and wrestling and reflecting and memorizing in order to hide his word in our hearts. We've become versed in truth and not just for, you know, gathering information, but for transformation in our lives. Last week, we talked about sharing our table with others, eating with others, truly seeing them, that our eating together is a sacred act and that God often speaks to us in those moments around a meal. So to, to have our hearts focused, to be thinking about how God might be speaking to us and through us whenever we gather with others. And so we listen to God, we invest in others, we're versed in truth, we eat with others. And today we come to our last letter of that rhythm for the summer where we see ourselves as sent into the world. We are sent ones. I'm not sure if you see your life through that lens or not yet, but as followers of Jesus, we have been sent into the world. Often we adopt a bit of a like come and see attitude when it comes to our, our life of faith and especially when it comes to uh, life in the church. You know, come out on a Sunday morning and see what we're all about. And, and sometimes we don't even invite people. We just expect them to, you know, figure out what's happening around here in the community that's being built. And, you know, they'll come if they want to. And we do the same thing with our own lives. We maybe don't expressly um, share what Jesus is doing in our lives or talk about what's going on in, uh, in us. But we just expect people to sort of see that there's something different about us. If they look hard enough, they'll see Jesus. But I think we find in the New Testament, we see more of a like a go and show, go and reveal sort of attitude rather than come and see. We're sent into the world to show people what a life committed to following Jesus and his word looks like. In his final words of his gospel, Matthew records the good news about Jesus throughout this thing. He closes the book with the final words of Jesus before he ascends into heaven. And we read them in Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. A couple of details piqued my curiosity when I read that passage again this week. Notice it says like the 11 disciples. Judas had left the fold. They're down a man. And Jesus has been crucified, he's risen from the grave, he's appeared to them likely a couple of times over the last few days, and he's instructed them to go to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, is what it says, that they were on their way. And it's, it's not really clear which mount Matthew is referring to. A few verses earlier in Matthew 26, when Jesus was predicting his death and his disciples' betrayal at the Last Supper, Jesus said, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So he might be referring to that message that Jesus says like, hey, like meet me in Galilee. And it's entirely possible that Matthew's referring to the mountain where Jesus was transfigured in Matthew 17. 
that moment where, you know, the, the three disciples were up there and all of a sudden their Jesus is changed before their eyes and they hear a voice from heaven declaring that Jesus was indeed indeed God's son. Matthew 17, 5 says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to them. Listen to him. So it could be that the disciples have gone back to that mount to like receive another message to where it's like, listen to him. And Jesus is about to share with them this great commission. It might be that Matthew's talking about that mount and reminding them to listen to all that Jesus had said and as he's about to commission them. But he could have also been referring to the mount where it all began. Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. As the crowds grew, he went up the mount and began to teach the longest and most powerful message we have recorded by Jesus happens on a mount. It's the famous sermon on the mount. It says in Matthew 5.1, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, sat down, His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I could keep going, but we would be here all morning. This is, it's such a great sermon, and it's, it's sort of the beginning of Jesus' ministry and his teaching on the kingdom. And I like to picture the disciples actually standing in that place, in that same place where they heard those first words from Jesus, the, the Beatitudes, these incredible teachings about his kingdom values and what it meant to follow him. I like to picture them thinking back to that massive crowd that had gathered when they hear Jesus say, go and make disciples. That it's going back to the starting point and saying, this is what it's all about. It is about you being my disciples and then going and making other disciples, teaching them all that I have taught you. Remember the Beatitudes, remember this sermon. It's like these two moments end up linked in their minds when Jesus says, you know, blessed are the, now go, go and make disciples. Think about it for a second. The disciples, like the state of mind that they're in right now, they'd been scattered. They'd been hiding since Jesus' arrest and trial. They've, they've now come back together. They've seen their risen Savior a couple of times, and they're headed out to Galilee to that mount that Jesus had told them to meet him and all of a sudden, out of the blue, he shows up and he, they begin to worship because they're just like, this, this has never happened before. This is an incredible moment. Our, our Savior is risen. It says that some doubted, and, and I love that little detail. What they doubt exactly, it's not all that clear. Why the hesitation? But I love that Matthew includes that. It's another sermon for another time. But Jesus gives these famous last words, and we should take heed to the last words of Jesus. Let me read them again. And I like the way the voice translation renders the passage. It says, Jesus came forward and addressed his beloved disciples. I am here speaking with all the authority of God, who has commanded me to give you this commission. Go out and make disciples in all the nations, ceremonially washing them through baptism in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then disciple them 
Form them in the practices and postures that I have taught you and show them how to follow the commands I have laid down for you. And I will be with you day after day to the end of the age. The famous last words of Jesus, go out and make disciples. This passage has been since dubbed the Great Commission. Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go out and do something with what they've learned. To not just keep this to themselves, but to share what they've experienced by walking with Jesus. To go and make other disciples. But what does that mean? What does that look like? And especially, what does it look like in 2023? For some people, this is a call to evangelism. To to go tell the world about Jesus. And that word evangelism sometimes trips people up. Like, do you see a difference between evangelism and discipleship? Are those one and the same? Are they two different? When you hear that word evangelism, what do you think of? What does it mean to you? Do you see yourself as an evangelist if that's the case? Because evangelism has become a bit of a dirty word in some circles. For, for many my age and younger, the, the models of sharing our faith that have been used in the past seem to rub people the wrong way. Like gone are the days of handing out tracts or preaching on street corners, just walking up to complete strangers and, and telling them about Jesus. Those, those tactics seem to not work as well as maybe they once to. And, and I, I question whether they worked all that well Uh, all of the time in the first place because they may have created converts but did they create disciples you may have been able to tell people about jesus and get them to believe in him or pray in his name but it did it create disciples because that's what jesus commanded us to do to go into the world and make disciples so what does it mean to be a disciple what does it mean to make other disciples is it just someone who believes that jesus is lord is that enough i think For a while, the church was so caught up in creating people who were converts that we didn't look at what it meant for them to become disciples. That we we maybe got them to a point of understanding who Jesus was and then we just sort of left them there. Is it enough that someone has confessed their sin and asked God for forgiveness? Or is there more to it than that? I like the language that Dallas Willard uses in his brilliant book, The Great Omission. Quoting Dallas, he says, He told us as disciples to make disciples, not converts to Christianity, nor to some particular faith and practice. He did not tell us to arrange for people to get in or make the cut after they die, not to eliminate various brutal forms of injustice, not to produce and maintain successful churches. These are all good things, and he had something to say about all of them. And they will certainly happen if, but only if, we are his constant apprentices and we make constant apprentices. That's what he told us to be and to do. I love, I love that language of constant apprentice. It, that it's not enough to just make a convert. It's not enough to just tell somebody about Jesus and then leave them there. We are constant apprentices. People who have decided to follow Jesus and want to model our lives and live in the way of his kingdom. So we are constantly looking to the master to see what does it mean for me to be faithful to Jesus in these moments. And the command for us is to help others become the same thing, to become a constant apprentice. A constant apprentice is someone who looks at what the master is doing and then seeks to do the same in everything. It's not just a weekly check-in. It's not just a once, you know, pray the prayer and you're in. It's a daily dying to self and walking in the ways of our Lord. 
he asked us as his constant apprentices to make other apprentices. Other people who would daily die to themselves and walk in the ways of Jesus. This is what it means to go and make disciples, to see ourselves as sent, to make other apprentices. This is the Great Commission. And we've all been called to this great work. I love the way Dallas Willard translates the commission. He says, I've been given say over all things in heaven and on earth. As you go, therefore, make disciples of all kinds of people, submerge them in the Trinitarian presence, and show them how to do everything I have commanded. And now look, I am with you every minute until the job is done. I love that. As you go, therefore, make disciples of all kinds of people, submerge them in the Trinitarian presence. Like that idea of baptism isn't just about that one-time experience of baptism, but it's, it's allow people to be immersed in the presence of God and, and constantly looking to God for how they should live their lives. Show them how to do. Don't just tell them. Show them how to do everything I have commanded, and I'm with you every minute until the job is done. That, that word go is an interesting word because it's more accurately translated in your going or while you're going or as you go, the way Dallas put it there. So when he says go and make disciples, it's a as you go about your business, as you go out into the world, you are an apprentice. So help other people become apprentices. Help them see the goodness of Jesus. Help them understand the how to walk in his ways while you are going. Make constant apprentices. You are constant apprentices. So as you are walking in my ways, as you are listening to God, as you are investing in others, as you're versed in truth, as you're eating with others, bring people alongside you to do the same, to learn the same, to, to understand that these are the ways of Jesus. Make more apprentices. I think that we've often regulated the idea of discipleship to like classes you take in order to understand what it means to be a Christian. That discipleship has become this, more, the focus is more on the like, teach them the commands. So first we get them to pray the prayer, then we teach them the commands. And we feel like there has to be some sort of like intentional program where people learn what it means to follow Jesus. Like we need a small group or, you know, especially assigned time with quizzes and, and charts. And, and I wonder if it's, maybe intended to be a little more organic than that. Like what if making disciples is really more about bringing people along with you on the journey that you're already on? What if it's about having somebody that walks alongside you and you have those conversations and questions about what it means to be faithful to Jesus in these days? Like how did Jesus make disciples? He, he let his disciples follow him around for a few years. There were certainly times when, when he taught them but these weren't like polished sermons that he set aside time to reveal truth in. Like it was as they walked along, they would see a fig tree and he would pause and say like, hey, see this fig tree? You're also to bear good fruit. Do you, do you see this field? The kingdom, of, the kingdom of heaven is like a field. It's, it's full of weeds and of wheat. What does it look like for you to do a similar thing as you're walking along, as you're going through life? to help other people see God in those moments, to see God in the midst of our daily lives? What does it look like for you to take people along on the journey that you're on? Because you're an apprentice. You don't have it all figured out yet, but you could help other people figure out what it means to follow Jesus as you apprentice him. 
What does it look like for you to make other apprentices as you go? Paul encouraged people to follow him as he followed Christ, which I've always thought is a kind of a bold statement to make. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Again, I like the way the voice puts this one. It adds a little more meat to the bone. It says, so imitate me, watch my ways, follow my example, just as I too always seek to imitate the anointed one. So it's not that Paul's got it all figured out, but he's got his eyes focused on the anointed one, on Jesus, that his heart is bent towards his desire, desire is to learn more from Jesus. And so follow my example is what he says. As I'm doing this, you do this too. You keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You ask how, how you can be faithful to this anointed one. So this is what it means to make disciples, to make apprentices, that while you're going, in your going, while you're about your business, help others to imitate the anointed one. Help others to walk in his ways. It doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. You're not the master. You're just helping other people focus on the one. You're still an apprentice. You're pointed towards the master, so you help others point towards him as well. And this is the privilege of every believer. It's not just for some people. The Great Commission is for all of us who follow Jesus. We are all sent into the world. It isn't about people, because sometimes we think it's people who are more educated or who've, you know, who've done this longer, who've been on the path longer than we have. And that's not the point. The point is, who are we focused on? Who are we turning our eyes toward? What does it look like for you to make disciples? Like, who is following you as you follow Jesus? Who are you helping see Jesus more clearly? Are there people in your life that you could maybe be a little more intentional about, about revealing Jesus to? Jesus asks us, actually he, he commands us, in your going, make disciples. While you're out there and as an apprentice, help make other apprentices. Go and show people who I am and what it means to follow me. Teach them to obey what I've taught you. Pass on what you've learned. See yourself as sent. This is the rhythm that we live for, to listen to God, to invest in others, to be versed in truth, to eat with others, and to see ourselves as sent, that we are his apprentices. We're learning what it means to love. We're learning what it means to be gracious and forgiving. We're learning what it means to be people who are righteous and pure and true and just, who walk in the ways of the kingdom. And so the the goal for us is to not only do that ourselves, but to help others do it as well, to help others along that journey, to make disciples. As we wrap up this series and, and close out this message, I wonder, I wonder if I could ask you to, to look towards either your front door or your front window, to wherever you're watching from, to, to look beyond the place that you're watching right now, to see outside of the space that you're in. Often when we think of the church, when we think of our even our own um, walk with Jesus, it's something that's personal and it's something that is about us. Uh, the church can become a group that ends up being really turned inward, where we, we care for each other, we grow together, we worship together, we minister to one another. And, and this is good. It's right for us to do. It's, it's a part of what it means to be faithful and in community, but it's not the complete picture of what we are about as followers of Jesus. We are sent ones. So we go out from the places where we um, where we find ourselves being fed and, and built up and encouraged. And we go out from that place to make disciples, to make a constant 
apprentices. Because disciples aren't just made by watching a video or hanging out at a church on a Sunday morning. Disciples are made as we go from this place. And in our going, we make disciples. So as we close, I want you to be kind of focused on the world beyond the space that you're in right now. So whether that means you're looking out the window or you're just facing the front door, I want to commission you as Jesus commissioned his disciples as we close in prayer. I want you to be thinking about what it means to go, what it means to step outside, to see yourself as sent. Let's pray. Jesus, we hear your words to go and make disciples and, and we confess that we've often not done it very well. We have seen this as the role of others, so like people more qualified than us, more educated or, or further down the path and, and yet you call each one of us to the joy of helping other people find and walk with you. Would you help us to see ourselves as sent into the world, as constant apprentices that go and make other constant apprentices? that in our going, as we move through this world on a daily basis, we would see the ways that you're leading us to invest in others and to come alongside those that they might experience your goodness and grace as we walk with you. Would, would you help us to hear that call go and know that you're with us every minute until the job is done, that you send us, but that you also go with us and before us, that we're partnering with you in the work that you came to do, to restore and renew and to redeem and set free. May we as sent ones go from, from the place that we are right now to share your love with everyone that we meet. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Church at Home and for joining us through this series. If you, if you happen to miss one of the rhythms that we've been talking about, listen to God, invest in others, versed in truth, eat with others, uh, you can go and catch up, whether it's uh, on our YouTube or through our podcast. You can head over to the website uh, for the links for that. And while you're there, why don't you sign up for our second annual softball classic and see what else is up. Uh, we're in the middle of the best summer yet and excited about all the camp stuff that's still yet to come here in August. Next weekend is the long weekend, so we're going to have another watch party at the church. So everybody's going to be online next Sunday. But if you'd like to join us in person for a smaller gathering uh, to watch uh, church at home in the sanctuary together, you're welcome to join us at 1030 280 Karen. Until then, may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God be reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God be reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow from your heart that all might see and seeing believe. May we as grace for everyone truly live out this good news. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace to you.